Lunch time. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of the Brisbane Football Review. We've got no time for a fancy scripted introduction. We've got a lot to talk about this week. We are here for the Daily Football Show Fan Network. I'm James, your host, and I'm joined by Scott. Don't you wave your finger at me. And joining me as well is Adam, who has just managed to kick a hole in a door walking in. <laughs> How are we guys? Have we calmed down yet from Friday night? Jeez, that was a quiet Friday night, wasn't it? How dare you compare me to that panel beater, Taylor Regan. How dare you? <laughs> I was actually going for the Marco Kurs thing. I'll go for that either, but slightly better. I'll give you that. Yes. Welcome, everyone, to the latest edition of the Brisbane Football Review. We are here, as said, for the Daily Football Show Fan Network. Um, BrisbaneFootballReview at gmail.com. Facebook is the Raw Review. Twitter is at BNE Football. If some of you might have been confused with our switch a few months ago and are only just working it out now. But... It's only pinned to the top of our... uh... As I said, something Facebook might... is confused, but that's another story. Yeah, we're still <laughs> yeah. trying to change that name two and a half years later. Anyway, we've got a lot to talk about after, well, let's be honest, the Red Mist descended on the Red Army at a Red Cooper Stadium Friday night, and there was red cards galore as the Raw went down to the Reds. Just Not chip. the Queensland Reds, the Adelaide Reds. No, and... I reckon they beat the Queensland Reds at pretty much anything, including rugby, but that's another story. <laughs> it, there's always red cards involving Raw and Adelaide games. Absolutely. It has to happen. And look, let's be honest, it was the best fight any of us saw on Friday night, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it went for a lot longer. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, so round six, Adelaide United 2, Brisbane Raw 1. It was a double from Ben Haller on either side of half time before Enrique pulled one back in the 67th minute. But let's be honest, the game kind of took a back seat, and it was a bit of a shame because... I want to start off talking about the football part of Friday night mm-hmm. and what was a really gripping contest. Yeah, look, um, two sides that were sort of really, um, I wouldn't say desperate, but they, they both playing to win. And um, you could tell from minute one that they sort of both teams went out to try and win the game. And yeah, it was actually a very entertaining game of football when you, you take out the other extracurricular stuff that hap- happened in the game. Yes, that's right. So the Raw came out with an unchanged 11 from their win over Melbourne City. There was one change on the bench that was confirmed about 10 minutes before kickoff after a bit of confusion. But uh, Stefan Mork came on for Stefan Negro. And, well, we'll talk about that impact a little bit later. But, um, yeah, the first incident that I actually thought would be leading off with today and probably dominating most of the segment was Adam Taggart's yellow card and groin injury. I completely understand why he got the yellow card. Oh, so he was I. off the field. He came back on the field without the approval. You get a yellow card for it, but it's a big blow for the Raw. If this is a injury of any substance in terms of games missed, I mean, it's, the whole thing was set up for him to score goals. And if he's not there, there's a bit of a hole there. Even though it was filled quite nicely in the second half, which we'll get to, but the team was built for Taggart to score goals. If he's unavailable for any length of time, it could have a massive impact for, for the team and also for his potential national team aspirations as well, because we learned during the week that he is at least in the frame to some extent with Graham Arnold for the Asian Cup. Absolutely, but what I suppose confused me the most about it was he did seem to tweak the groin Mm. that has been giving him a lot of trouble early. I actually thought he would have been done then, but instead he came back on and it didn't appear to do him any favours coming back on and trying to stretch for a couple of uh, loose balls. Yeah, look, it was... um, Yeah, you thought that maybe he was done done after yeah. 20 minutes and for him to then I think it was one of those, must have been one of those ones where it was a slight sort of twinge where he could thought he could cry right off but when he just stretched out that second time when, when shooting for goal um, yeah that that was the end of it and yeah and look I don't like seeing what he did and especially as a staff sort of telling him to do that um, at the end of the day I didn't I couldn't really see much benefit in him getting a yellow card, and it may be a case of, look, it's it may happen, you know, at you know, in round twenty or something like that. But that yellow card may come back to haunt if, yeah. you know, if he doesn't um, 
I said yeah. he may miss a game because that's a yeah. dumb yellow card. Has he gotten many yellow cards? This Actually, you guys talk That's his season. first yellow card of the season, I'm pretty okay. sure. So I don't have to look that up. Yeah, it's five to get a one-match ban. I do wonder if part of it was that they were trying to get Enrique ready to come on and just stall time. Yeah. Because I think Enrique came on before they even took the free kick or whatever it was down the other end. So I, actually, I wonder if that was a big part of the um, reasoning of why they said get on the field. I actually thought it was literally just stop the game to make the sub. Yeah. Because I think otherwise the referee was Jared Gillette, yes? It was Jared, yeah. Yep. Who would have just said, nah, we'll deal with it later on, just keep going. Because the, the ball was down the other end of the field. I think it was either a free kick or a corner for Adelaide. I think it was a corner. Yeah, so yeah. the Raw definitely wanted to get their full complement on the field to defend that, so... Yeah. That's probably a big part of why it happened. He probably, he probably should have done it a little bit more inconspicuously and a lot quicker than what he did and shouldn't need. If, look, I, look, I get gamesmanship and all that and trying to delay the game. Look, no no club is um, no, no club or no player is above, is, shall I say, is immune from that. But um, I just I think, thought it was yeah. funny. Oh, look, it was <laughs> funny. But uh, yeah, I thought it was just that obvious that you know, a yellow card you know, was definitely deserving. I know we've got to keep moving, but surely even if he's down and off the field of play and you want to make a change at a dead ball, you should be able to anyway. If the ball been out for a free kick or a corner, you should be able to make a sub anyway, even if Taggart's off off the field. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah. we'll keep moving. Ben Halloran, in his time since playing with the Roars, suddenly learned how to score not one goal but two. Adam. Yeah, well, um, it's his first goals for Adelaide. In fact, it's his first goals in the A League since uh, he scored against Adelaide for Brisbane five years ago. He so, scored for Brisbane. He did. It was, uh, I'm going to need yeah. tape of this. <laughs> it, it was, it was so a long, long ago. We, time yeah. ago. We were actually relying on tape back then. <laughs> but um, look, they were actually, the first goal was actually you know, pretty well done. I think there was a lot more to do with the build-up play. And the second goal was a gift. And I guess if you can talk about a positive there, at least he was there at the spot to put it away. But um, yeah, look, you know, that may may sort of at least get him off the, off the board as far as, um, you know, goals this season. Yeah, absolutely. And look... It was a little bit frustrating seeing the Raw concede that way again, but yeah, you've got to take what you can, and then the Raw made a couple of changes. Sorry, I'm just trying to bring up the match report yep. right now uh, to get the order of subs. Scott, have you got that? Uh, Enrique came on first. Yeah, Enrique came on first. And Wenzel Halls came on second, and Adam and I had a pretty fierce mm. debate about this on Friday night, and I think we ended up calling it a draw, because <laughs> I thought Wenzel Halls should have came on first as an actual striker like flight replacement when Taggart went off and obviously Enrique came on and Adam thought that was a better idea. I thought that Werner Halls was really good when he came on. Well, allow me to yep. break the tie. I'm with you, Scott. Enrique is oh. not like he's not a, a striker. Lot of, he's not a striker unless you're up by a goal or two in the 70th yeah. minute and you're trying to put yeah. the game away. I will say Enrique is an excellent, excellent player playing he's in that a... line of three behind a striker, but when he's leading the line, I don't think that gets the best of his game. And when Wenzel Halls did come onto the field. It was Dylan who went up front, and Enrique out to the left, which I think emphasises that John feels the same way, which makes me wonder why didn't he just throw him in in the first place? It seems like a bit of a um, conservative substitution to me to bring Enrique on up front. And that's right, yeah. Wenzel Halls came on in the 56th minute for Eric Bortiak, yep. and look, Bortiak, has, he's taken a beating the last couple of weeks. <laughs> he so has. It was a real shame seeing him go off, but you know what? I, I suddenly get why what the big deal about Wenzel Halls is, because... Boy, he was all over the place. There were a few mistakes you would expect from a young guy making... Before right, we talk about Wenzel Halls, we should let like, Adam respond gonna, to that, say, that, when, that when argument there. I going to get my right, right of reply? We should at least let him host, have a right of reply. I'm, I'm the host. What I say goes now. Yeah. Yeah. So we're right anyway. He's wrong. But let's play <laughs> Well, let the listeners uh, decide that. <laughs> look, my, my, what I was saying on Friday night was, look, I actually agreed with Enrique um, coming on at that time, not not because I don't think Wenzel Hall's up to or anything like that. I, it's just other than, you know what, he's still young. He, you know, and he probably still wouldn't, like, the questions of whether he'd get a strong 60 minutes out. If that, if that, if Taylor came off in the 70th minute, then I'd say absolutely. But given it was the 35th minute or something like that, I thought having the more experienced Enrique, you know, in, in the game early, just to sell things down. That, that was the only reason why. But look, I... I uh, absolutely that Dylan Wenzel Halls is um is capable of that. I just thought that you know the timing of it. I thought maybe this early in his career for, to get him to play sixty minutes or whatnot and get you know quality minutes out of him. You know, yeah, I just question whether he's at that stage yet. Well, whichever side you're coming down on, who should have been subbed on? And all I'm hearing right now is uh, Liam from Queensland Soccer is fan. <laughs> and let's be yeah. honest, probably first and foremost Western Pride. 
a maniacal supporter, but let's be honest. <laughs> yes. All I can just hear is his voice in my head saying, it should have been Wenzel Halls from yep. the start. It should have been Wenzel Halls from the start. <laughs> Hi, Liam, by the way. All right. And whichever side of that debate you're coming down on, Wenzel Halls and Enrique were the ones who combined for the Raw's only goal of the night. They did combine very, very well. And Wenzel Halls had a huge impact when he came off the bench. And maybe fresher legs in the second half, to Adam's point, did play a part in that because he was very good when he came mm. on, making runs in behind. He was very dangerous. Obviously set the goal up, had a, created another chance as well, and he was actually... It was Wenzel Halls that started the whole nonsense which happened with Taylor Regan, which we'll get to later on, but he was very good in his actual play, Dylan, and I do think he's shown now that he's more than capable of providing something in the A-League right now. Probably more off yeah. the bench now, but he's got something to offer, there's no doubt about that. That is a topic for segment mm. four. Okay. But what we are going to get on to now is... The chaos. Oh, no. Oh, the chaos. <laughs> yeah, well, we had to Just try don't and rush... Just call me Taylor Egan again, all right? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I tried to get through the match recap as quick as possible, mostly because I know this is going to take up a lot of time. So, if you tuned in to listen to us talk about what happened on Friday night, the drama, this is where you wanted to pick it up. So... Incident one, Taylor Regan got a second yellow card for eye-gouging Stefan Mork, at least we believe so. Yes. But, as you said, it was Dylan Wenzel-Hulls, and yeah. with Dylan Wenzel-Hulls that kicked it off. So, yeah, was it Regan knocked him over? Regan tripped him in the thing, and then Lopez was going to take a quick free kick, and then he, um, Taylor Regan kicked him again. As he was, was getting to up to make the run, and, and then yeah. Wenzel-Hulls got in his face, and then Stefan Mork came in and... Which, let's be honest, given the size difference between uh, Wenzel-Hulls and <laughs> Taylor Regan was... Admirable optimism, I think it's a polite I way like to put it. I like the fight in him. That's at least that's a positive. Yeah, absolutely. Adam, what do you make of uh, let's what started it all? Yeah, look, I, I think it's a case of uh, Taylor Regan being one of those big burly centre backs, just trying to sort of intimidate a little bit uh, the the young the young player in the uh, second game, second A League game, and um, what kicked it off was I guess it was, it was Jack Hinger, I think first that came in, tried to sort of push him off, which started the melee. Then then Stephen Moore came charging in like a, like a bull, and uh, yeah, that was that was on for young and old. And then um, the next thing you know, there was hands in the face. Well, if you can't play football, you might as well be a panel-beating centre-back. So. <laughs> well, Sorry, I I'm can... not a fan of Taylor Egan generally, and Friday night didn't exactly help his case. But No, absolutely not. Okay, I've, I've been trying to find the polite way to put this, first of all. So two things really stood out of that. First of all, it was nice to see Jordan Nelson being the fourth person into that melee once three of his teammates <laughs> were already in there, which, you know, is what you expect from the We'll get center. to him later. Yeah, yeah there's... Oh, mm. believe me, I've got a lot more to say about him. Yeah. Um, so it was nice for him to hide behind his teammates and get in on the action. Secondly, how the hell was that only a yellow card for Taylor Regan? I don't get that. I cannot understand. The VAR was looking at it. How can that not... And they actually gave um, Elsie a yellow card. They said it was Elsie who had his hands in the face. Yeah, that's How what is the VAR... VAR not picking up? That's mistaken identity. Isn't that one of the four things it's actually well, supposed to according do? According to Fox Sports, that uh, in, they had it in a story yesterday about Wellington Phoenix complaining about getting screwed by VAR as well. They're right, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, ab- <laughs> yeah But because it's Wellington, no one cares. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. What, they're going to be out of the league next year anyway. So... Uh, from what I can gather, VAR was used just as a case of which player actually had the hands in the face, and one... so it still got it wrong. Yeah. Well, no, it was. Well, they got it. No, they gave. Apparently, it was going to be issued to Jordan Elsie. Oh, okay. Because he actually got booked for his later incident, yep. so then it would have been a sending off offence. So it was going to be for Jordan Elsie, but that was corrected to Taylor Regan. But as far as I'm concerned, eye gouging should be a straight red card. If if I, I know it's hard to sort of compare in a way, but if spitting is an eight-week ban, surely I guess it's more dangerous, isn't it? Yeah, look, that's the thing. Is is that I think any contact with the head, you know, should, it should be it should be straight red. It's simple, and I don't know how like the mistaken identity goes because it was the guy with the heavy with the low tattoos. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I like to, I picked it up, you know, on first look. I, and you know, I'm just a fan. I'm yeah. <laughs> like, so it just absolutely befuddles how they how that is not. And the problem is, that giving me a yellow card, it means that there can be no further action exactly. because it's been dealt with. So even if they'll be, be better off actually not getting anything because at least the MR, MRP could look at it. But the fact that he was given a yellow card, albeit a second yellow card, which means he was sent off, but that closes the case. Yeah. Which well, the one thing is, that yeah. 
because my working theory on the night, and our Facebook conversation will back this up, I actually thought that the second yellow card was actually issued for just kicking Dylan Wenzel Halls as he went past. You should have got a yellow card for it that. You're may, right. yeah. Look, it may have well been that. Um, and there's... I was listening to the Fox football podcast coming mm. home from work today, and even Simon Hill, the commentator, still wasn't quite sure yeah. what the second yellow was actually issued for. So surely, if the yellow card was issued for that, then... Then the then he hasn't judged on the the eye gouging, so the MRP should have jumped in. Yeah, because that's a, I, I'd, and I'd, I'd like to. Like, I'm actually not sure what the correct answer is. Yeah. If that if there's one offence, because obviously he had the offence, the yellow card earlier for not for for kicking um kicking, kicking Bochak. Out that's Bochak's. why Bochak had to go off the field. Cause he yeah, got, I told you he was a panel beater. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if that was for the second because I because I, re- I still reckon his kick on um, Winslow Halls was probably worthy of a yellow card, which means yeah. he's still off. Does that mean that all other offences doesn't matter? Mm. See, that, that's yeah. which which yeah, which makes you think you know a conspiracy yeah. theory. Say, hey, what have I got to lose? I'm already yeah. going. So FFA might want to look at that too yeah. because if God forbid this happens again with another player eye gouging, if he didn't actually get carded for this or only got a yellow card for this I'd be bringing up that precedent hey Taylor Egan only got yellow card for eye gouging why have I got a X amount of game banned for it but I think for I'd, all... be, well, I'd be be clearing that up if I was the FFA because that could come back and hurt but I think for all football fans I think in people, sports fans in general like I just it's just it's just a horrible look like how how can you say oh he's gotten off with at very worst he's gone off with a yellow card for putting his hands in another player's face, so it just it just doesn't track. And I, I I know that there's like so there's rules that it's dealt with on the field, but surely, surely something because that that's just not a good look. So we're all in agreement. Something went wrong. Oh yeah. And Taylor Regan's a grub. All right. So I just did a quick quick Google uh, on my laptop. Some suspensions for eye gouging that have popped up in other football codes. England okay. forward George Burgess has been given a four match ban for, after being found guilty of eye gouging. So mm-hmm. that's rugby league. And in the AFL, Carlton's Jed Lamb is set to miss next Sunday's clash with Hawthorne after being slapped with a one-game ban for unnecessary contact with the eye region. So, there we go. So, between one to four weeks. Well, he's got one week anyway, so... Yeah. So, there we go. Anyway, we need to move on to the other one. And Stefan Mork really was at the centre of pretty (laughs) much everything in his, what, half-hour on the Speaking of red mist... He was very good, actually, in his actual Mm. football play as well when he came on stuff. He actually really did a great job changing the momentum of the game as well, he and Wenzel Halls. But, okay, let's start off with what was a pretty ugly challenge on Craig Goodwin. I think we can all agree he deserves his card for that. Whether it's a... His studs were up and... But it's a second yellow or a straight red. It's all the same. Because remember, he, but the other, just the other point, yeah. linking the two instances together, Stefan Mork also got a yellow card with that, within that melee that saw Regan get sent off. So he was already on a yellow yeah. card at that point. So he would have been off anyway. He was gone anyway, yeah. But the... Uh, but John well, even without the card, he'd be out and he'd yeah. off the field anyway because of his... Because he did happen yeah. to get knocked yeah. out. Um, what really jumped out for me, though, was the fact that like, John Alesi brought up that Craig Goodwin was going in pretty recklessly as well. Now, look... Yes, he was. Both His pl- foot was higher than Stefan Mork's. Both players, I yeah. feel like, went into that, you know, with equal... Like, let's call it desperation yeah. to try and win the challenge. And Craig Goodwin was the first one there, and that's why Stefan Mork was... I've got a great example. There was a Liverpool-Man United game a few years ago. No, you and Man United. No, Phil Jones <laughs> and John Joe Shelby went in for a very similar challenge, and Shelby's... Shelby collided with Jones slightly before Jones got Shelby and Shelby got the red card. Yeah, Voldemort deserved that. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, but that, that was a very similar incident. And people yeah. thought Phil Jones should have gone that day. I tend to agree, and he didn't. And United won, and who cares? But but no, it's a very similar incident yeah. between that and what happened Friday night. Then a few other things happened. But before we do that, actually, uh, I want to play this audio that we got from the Raw. This is uh, John Aloisi's take on the incident as well. So we're going to hear from him right now. And look, first of all, uh, we were worried about Stefan Moore. You know, he was uh, unconscious for about 10, 15 seconds. So, you know, first thought was uh, our player and his welfare. And um, and that's why I was so upset last night because, you know, it, it didn't seem like it was anyone else's uh, worry. Um, uh, my players are, are like my kids. They're like family for me. And, uh, and when you see one of your own down on the floor knocked out, you know, you start to, to get worried and uh, and hopefully he's going to be okay. Last night he, uh, he was monitored and uh, we'll check on him again today and make sure that uh, he's okay. 
he's uh, allowed him to stay in Adelaide with his family and girlfriend for a couple of days because, you know, as you can imagine, they were very worried about him. Um, but hopefully he's okay. Are you happy the way you handle it? You don't think you overreacted? I definitely didn't overreact. You know, I, I uh, was genuinely really worried about my player. Um, to see him on the floor like he was and their player picking him up, uh, I'd like to say that uh, their captain is Zayis did well to protect Stefan because he, he saw it straight away, he saw that he was knocked out. Um, their player didn't and was pulling at Stefan and you could see it wasn't a good look. It was, it was actually a bad look and, uh, and, and uh, it made me sick and that's why I reacted like I did because uh, you know I worry about my players. I, I, it, it, can you imagine seeing your own kid on the floor that knocked out and then they're treating him like that? It's, uh, it, it wasn't uh, nice to see at all. Alright, so I want to move on to the conduct of Adelaide as a whole after this incident. Now, Isais, I've said it on this show before and I've said it again, he is still one of the dirtiest players in the A-League I will ever come across. Yeah, that being cynical. said, he is smart. Like he, I, could, I had no doubt that as soon as he saw that challenge going from Mork, he was getting ready to run over and yell at him. But something clicked in his brain where he went, you know what? I think something's not right here. So he went to protect him. Yeah. Now, Jordan Elsie, on the other hand, he, uh, Stephen Mork said, oh, please don't give Jordan Elsie any, any more grief over this. Elsie said, I wouldn't have uh, tried to pick Stephen Mork up by the back of the neck if I knew he was unconscious. But quite frankly, I'm petty. And quite frankly, it was still pathetic. Yeah. So if Stephen Mork was actually conscious, it's okay to run up and grab someone from behind by the back of the neck who's lying face down on the ground, as my watch just tells me to breathe and relax. (laughs) But yeah, so that suddenly makes it okay if he was conscious. To me, that's still pretty petty. And I've said this before as well. I I watch a lot of ice hockey. To me, that's the perfect, you know, descriptor of a get square incident. And were this ice hockey, I feel like Elsie would be missing a few teeth. Just because he plays ice hockey. Look, I think think there needs to be a lesson learned on this is that, um, that, yeah, I think that the the, the players players... um, union, they really need the PFA really need to sort of educate players and this and that. Look, I know here the moment stuff, yeah. you know, look, there's no doubt that what Mork did, he went in like an Exocet missile in a Craig Wood, and that, that would really have, you know, stirred up a lot of his teammates. But when a player goes down prone like that, you just cannot do that. Like, that, that that's lawsuits waiting to happen if something, like, thank, thankfully, you know, Stephen Mork, you know, is, you know, he's okay. It was like a memory, well, we think he's okay. You know, a concussion, you know, unconscious for 10, 15 seconds. But it could have been a hell of a lot worse. And, um, look, I think, I think, you know, if there's any good that comes out, that needs to come out is, is that I think the players across the board need to be educated to not only to do what ICS is, Yep. yep. What he did. Yeah, what he did. <laughs> yeah, I'm not good at that name. Um, what he did, actually identify where there's a problem immediately, and yeah, and they've just got to leave it alone, let the medical staff handle it. So, I, yeah. but I know, like I said, easier said than done. You know, I hear the moment stuff, but yeah, I think that's probably what I'm just saying. Elsie's got a habit of mm. being a fifth yeah. or sixth man in once yeah. he's got a few yeah. players around him to protect him. Completely again, again sorry, just one last thing. Yep. Again, an ugly look. Yeah. Um, an ugly look for incident as well that you know that maybe football fans and sports fans in general would not like. Completely agree with both of you. I mean, full credit to Isaias. Elsie needs to reconsider his actions, but also I think the refereeing situation in that incident wasn't great either. The first in the first reaction of Jared Gillette was to bring out the red card. And I understand to a certain extent because he's trying to trying to like nullify what he thought was going to be another all in brawl type thing. But he, there's a player prone on the ground. That has to be he has, he has, to, has be a... to be priority number one. Surely. And also, I did like the technicality arguments afterwards of, did Stefan Mork actually see himself get issued with the red card? He <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't have well, seen it. Well, no. I think when, when he, he was uh, getting taken yeah. off, he <laughs> had the look off. Wait, did I get sent off for that? Well, he had no idea because he was on the sideline getting ready to run back on. So I guess shows you the impact of a concussion because he's like trying to dust his knee off thinking, I'm going to go back on the field. and yeah. like, No, you're, not, you're off. And then he decided to boot the door on the way down. The, not um, that there's any comparison, but Jared Gillett's got a history of, as soon as he sees an incident, it's a straight yeah. red strap. Like, remember, you know, Roy Donovan fly kicking uh, Lawrence yeah. Thompson's head off in the grand final. Which, that was yeah. pretty instantaneous. And look, it, it absolutely deserved it. But yeah. yeah, look, that may be that may be something that, you know, we all know Jared is a great referee. He's that's something he may need to, he may need to just uh, take pause and just the situation. Because, yeah, that situation is sent out of control very quickly. And him issuing a red card almost momentarily um, is, again, that may have kicked off a lot of that as well. I actually, 
I'm going to just defend Colette here and th- say, you know, were I in that position with zero referee training, admittedly, mm. aside from, you know, trying to referee a few club games as a player, I honestly think that, yeah, like that's the exact same way I would have handled yeah. that as well. I would have said, all right, no, I'm handling this straight away. Yeah. I'm not going yeah. to try and drag this out. I it's, completely understand why yeah. he did what he did. It's just as a player prone on the ground. All right. So, oh, look, I'm not saying he's wrong. Yeah. I'm just saying that maybe that might be something he needs. He may need to sort of just just pause on because, like I said, I do think that a lot of it, you know, a lot of what happened in the moments after, maybe as a reaction, seemed straight red. All right. We need to keep moving, and I do want to touch very briefly on probably the most mature conflict of the entire night, and that was between John Aloisi and Marco. Don't raise your hand at me again. <laughs> you, can't you, can't, you can't finish the rest <laughs> yeah. of that. Yeah. Something, something. <laughs> <laughs> Great audio, that. Mm. Yeah, so, something I've been called quite a lot in my life. <laughs> yeah, like it seems like there was basically just a misunderstanding where I think Kurtz was trying to def- thought Aloisi was trying to defend Mork's tackle when in fact it was basically just yeah yeah there was a complete miscommunication between the two coaches there. And I will say, good job on, for the most part on the Fox uh, production crew as well, making sure that the uh, <laughs> sideline microphone right between the two coaches was up. At least a little bit, so we could hear what was going on. Yeah, no, that was um, yeah. Look, there was a bit of angst inside, and the two coaches that look, have had Having a little bit of yeah. banter in the past, if you can call it that. So, but so that yeah. even goes back to Aloisi with Guillermoore and his staff as well, because we all remember yeah. two years ago the drama with Michael Theo getting red carded and yeah. Ross Aloisi and saying that um, he his mother was being abused in Spanish by Guillermoore's staff. Unfortunately, they didn't realise that the Aloisi spoke fluent Spanish, so they understood every single word. So, there's quite a bit of history there, and it goes a lot back of it... further than that too. Back in the early days, John Cosmina and Miron Blyberg went at it yeah. more than once on the yeah. sideline as well. So, there's plenty of history there's between some... those two sides. There's on the, something on the about this sidelines. rivalry, and like I said, it was um... it's a ninth red card versus Adelaide. Yeah, yeah, only twelve overall, I, I believe. I, I nine heard. for the raw. Yeah, so. yeah, but either way, it <laughs> look. The uh, rematch, 2nd of February, I think, down in Adelaide, and then it's Anzac Day at Suncorp Stadium. Potentially, we hope, with a finals position on the line. Are you going to put a boxing ring in for that game? <laughs> might just, be a good idea. Just put it uh, in front of the tunnel. So, that, yeah. But it does, yeah, I don't know what it is. It seems to bring out, I almost want to say, the more entertaining part of this rivalry. I, I think they need to at least put um, Ross Aloisi in a shark cage or something. Cause he, he was, in the midst of that, he was, he was yeah. arguing with someone. So I actually yeah. likened it a little bit to my former job where I was coaching kids football. And okay, look, we all know Ross has the temper, oh, quite a temper on him. He's passionate. Yeah, oh. passionate. And passion is not a crime. Mm-hmm. But that's where you also wonder if there's a little bit of a, I suppose, behavior management plan of if Ross looks like he's about to lose it, Get him, get him out of there. <laughs> I think that's what they did in the end. I, I and do believe, look, that's uh, the right way to go mm. about it. Because you get him out of, you get some uh, combustible situation. Get him out of there. All right. I think look, Adelaide, the people in that tunnel, know how to push his buttons as well to get him fired up. Because it's more than once it's had, they've managed yeah. to get to him down there. Yeah, and that's something that John Alisi's been complaining about. I think since his first season coaching the Raw, it's a number of people in the Adelaide tunnel that yeah. aren't actually involved in the match day or involved with the club at yeah. all. So. Anyway, look, we could probably go on quite comfortably for another, I would say, half hour about this game, but we're just going to sum up uh, with one thought on the football. Adam? Yeah, look, um, despite the loss, I thought it was a good performance. Um, you can probably take a lot out of that. Um, again, not, not ideal given the position ladder, but you know, it's not a lot to cause. Uh, uh, Scott? I'm not Adam, no. <laughs> no it's a decent performance away from home, but the Raw really need to start picking up some points. Yep. Mm. Encouraging signs, but not the result that they were hoping for. All right, we're going to stop, take a bit of a deep breath, come back and talk about the W League. This is Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review. If you stayed with us through what was a very passionate and lively segment one, well done, and welcome to a much happier segment two, as we're going to talk about the Raw's W League fortunes. It's James Scott and Adam with you here, and Thursday night, the uh, Raw women kicked off round five of the W League, sorry, I just lost my place in the run sheet there, with a 1-0 win over Newcastle Jets, with a goal from Chi Ubagagu, I'm still working on that pronunciation, I'm trying my best here. <laughs> uh, and... it's like if Fox haven't got it right, you get a pass, don't worry. 
Yes, well, I'm sti- trying to stick with the one pronunciation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not, I'm not trying to lose his elegy and go for three pronunciations in half an hour. That's SBS, not Fox. I know, but I just wanted to get the shot in. <laughs> All right. So, 56-minute goal from Chiu Bugagu, and the Raw picked up what was a pretty big three points, I thought. I think um, at the moment, I think uh, any points is, is big in this uh, in W League, given some of the chaotic results of yeah. you know around the league. Um, I want to say chaotic. I said obviously there's a lot of. Um, I guess a lot of surprise results, teams overachieving, overachieving a few, few underachieving. And look, at the moment, I think uh, for the next uh, few rounds, I think any points you can get is just going to be like gold. It's a very uh, typical Brisbane Raw road performance where they limited the opposition to very few chances. They had more chances than they normally do, actually, in this game. They had a bunch of them in the first half. They took their goal, and from then on, they looked very comfortable. I never thought that they were in much danger of conceding. It's just... A typical Brisbane Raw W League road road performance, which we've seen under Mel Andretta, it was very good. For quite a young side, I actually thought it was a very mature performance. Yeah. They came yeah. out, everyone stuck to their job, and look, let's be honest, the goal was, you know, from the best miss kick since Harry Kuehl against Uruguay in 2005, but it produced the results we wanted, and the Raw, you know, got the lone goal of the game. What are you talking about, miss kick? It was a perfect pass. <laughs> no, you're right. Who, it was, it was, who Yuki's or Harry? <laughs> It was actually a really good bit of play as well because the ball was actually down on the byline and a great effort from Katrina Gori to put the pressure on to go and actually win that ball back. A lot of players at that point would say, okay, that's going to be a goal kick. I'll save my energy. But she went for the ball and managed to to get it. Probably surprised the Newcastle player there as well. So that's what teed it up. It was a good play. Probably glad to be out of the heat of Brisbane from last week and down in what looked to be a pretty pleasant evening in Newcastle. Yeah, look, actually on that that play, I actually want to actually commend the the assistant referee on that because it, it looked, and I think the whole Newcastle back line thought, no, Chi Ubagagu was offside, but in yeah. when you look at the replays, it wasn't. So um, yeah, look, because um, that you'd think very very easily that could have been flagged offside, and you may have not got many arguments. And but the fact that it wasn't, and and with no VAR, it's a very very gutsy call. So yeah, well done. Benefit the doubt and got it yeah. right. Now what we're going to do now is hear from Chia Bagaga herself at this morning's press conference. That was good. Uh, enjoyed the weather for sure. Uh, thought we put a good team performance together. Defensively and offensively, and massive three points for us. All right, so obviously very happy to you, Bugagri. Scott, you wanted to add in something there? I was just going to say, it's a, what a surprise for referees when they don't have that three-letter thing. They make good, confident decisions. Newcastle could have done with that in the grand final last year. Who'd have thought? <laughs> but yeah, it, uh, just going back to it, it yeah. was actually a very, very yeah. good call. It was an excellent call, actually, because it was very, very tight hmm. in first vision of it. So, Yeah, and the other... Big thing as well was it was a clean sheet for the rule, which I think they would be very, very happy with as well. I'm just double-checking the results right now because I'm a little... I think it's in their ten, nine games I've beaten away from home. I think they've kept six clean sheets in that run. So Yeah, I yeah. think... Uh, don't, don't quote me that. I'm pretty sure it's six clean sheets out of those nine games. So. They have conceded in both home games but kept a clean sheet in both away yeah. games this season as well. And... What we're going to do now is hear from the Raw W League shotstopper Mackenzie Arnold at this morning's press conference. Um, yeah, I think it was a really good win for our team, um, especially on the road. I think coming off um, the loss against Adelaide, we were a bit down, having to buy after that. So it was good to get the team get, um, back picked up again and um, get another win on the road. You also got a clean sheet in that game. How are you feeling about that performance for yourself, personally? Um, yeah, again, again, personally, it was good to you know, get another clean sheet after um, the loss. Um, you know, I think it's a team thing as well, so I think as a team we did really well and it was a tough game, it came down to the um, last minute and we all kept fighting, so yeah, it was really impressive for us. And a guest appearance there from Angela from the women's game asking the questions, but they've really got to be happy with the clean sheet, Adam. Yeah, look, and I think also as well, it all underscores um, what a strong combination that Claire Polkinghorn and Jenna McCormick are, yeah. are putting together at the moment. Um, and look, yeah, I think... But um, their, their, their performance at home, like I said, even even the goals that that were scored against them, there's only been two goals a season, and they were both sort of you know they came from mistakes slash you know sort of yeah you know, one moment. So I think you know most of the time it's a very very dependable um, backline. I think you're throwing you know Caitlin Torpy on the, on the right, Carlton Pick on the left, and like I said, I still think it's the best defence in the league. Yeah. It is the best defence in the league for me. But, and I also think General Comet was absolutely excellent on Thursday night. Mm. But I think the calls for her to be a part of the Matildas World Cup squad might 
just need to be reined in a little bit because she's obviously going to play AFLW in a couple of weeks. And I think personally that should rule her out. If you're playing another sport for a few months, that's not ideal preparation given that a lot of these Matildas girls play 12 months of the year, commit to playing football consistently. And I think if Jenna wants to be a Matilda, that's what she might need to do. And if she is in the frame, maybe Alan Stadgett should have a word and say, look, if you forego your AFLW commitments for this one season and play, play the full football season, maybe you will be in the frame. Absolutely. But if as it currently stands, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's. Uh, I think it's a shame, likely. but you know what? But again, she had an excellent game on Thursday yeah. night, and it's been really, really good for the Raw. It's a shame, but look, she, like I said, she's a hell of a player, yeah. you know, and she's going to be missed when she goes off to Adelaide Crows in the AFLW. So please stay, Jenna. Yeah, <laughs> please well, stay. That well, AFL stuff's rubbish anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a real competition. It's it a four-week competition or something. As Scott, as Scott launches a Code Wars bar. Barrett. That's all right. They throw that many code wars at football. I've got to throw one back. <laughs> Kill him. I'm not a fan of the AFL. <laughs> all right. So, uh, yeah, it was... Yeah, I think we can all be very happy with that win. Now, we're going to keep moving because we did have such a long segment one mm-hmm. and move on to... Well, uh, just quickly, like Chi Ubagagu, she's yeah. having a pretty good impact now. And it's capped off a pretty big month for her as well with her first goal for England. Yeah, it's been a massive few weeks for her first appearance for England. First goal out here in the W League now scoring goals. I mean, that will help, help her as well because she's had a lot of chances in the first few weeks and they just haven't gone in for her. And now, again, like we said with Taggart a few weeks ago, when he gets one, the goals will flow. Hopefully now for Chi, the goals start to flow as well. That's it. And this morning I did ask Chi, you know, talk about the recruitment process of her actually coming to Brisbane. Yeah, so Tom Sermani, I guess he's like nicknamed the godfather of the, the W League, or maybe self-given nickname. Um, he's my coach in Orlando, and he just said uh, Mel had given him a call, expressed some interest, and then Mel and I hopped on the phone a few times. And I was just appreciative that she knew like my style of play and like what I like to do and felt like I could help the team. It's the same way she enjoys to coach a team, 4-3-3, three, three, attacking on the line, and just create... Uh, a ton of chances, so she felt like I could be implementing the team, and um, I thought, why not play in another uh, country, continent, get more exposure, get more uh, playing time, and, and stay fit, so it was a good time. So, yeah, it's proving to be a very welcome addition to the Brisbane Raw to you, and her next challenge will be trying to get on the score sheet against Sydney FC this weekend, Sunday Sydney. afternoon at Seymour Shaw Park. Um, yeah, Sydney not off to a great start this season with what's been a pretty up and down recruitment uh, been drive. A big surprise, Sydney. I see their struggles this season. I I caught about five minutes of their game against Canberra, and it shocked me to score because Sydney have a team stacked with Matildas, and we all kind of thought they'd be top two at minimum, probably winning the premiership, and they're currently well outside the top four. And if it wasn't for Melbourne City's struggles, they'd actually be be the biggest story. But Melbourne City is struggling as well, so. Two sides that are supposedly two of the best are struggling at the moment. Well, as pointed out by, I believe it was Mackenzie Arnold this morning, I didn't cut up the audio of that, but slow starts might not necessarily mean too much in the W League if you close strong. Yeah, that's exactly. They were um, almost a similar position last year. They came rattling home. Um, The other thing is I think that this season, I think the competition is a lot closer. I think, you know, you'd almost say if, if the Raw knock them over um, on Sunday, it might be ribbons for, for Sydney's chances. I think they might be... What does Hayley Rasso have to do with this? <laughs> <laughs> she, was, uh, she was looking uh, very well in rehab, uh, rehabbing today at training, so... We're looking forward to seeing her yeah. back on the field soon. And um, look, and the, just on the other thing as well, um, we're talking about surprises about Melbourne City and uh, Sydney's um, struggles, but at the other end, Canberra. Um, have well. and, and and Adelaide especially they they've really um they've really sort of you know surprised I think um I think Adelaide's come from behind sort of you know stealing stealing a point was um you know a great sign for them and look Canberra going well under Heather Garrick at the moment yeah all right so we're gonna uh, keep moving now and just I want to close off with one simple question about this game how important is three points for the rule. It's hugely important. I mean, they're on the bubble of the top four. A win this weekend could push themselves further up the table. It keeps the unbeaten run away from home going, which is vitally important as well. It's and it it's a dent in the the hopes of Sydney FC. It's which it's is even better. It's a massively important game for the Raw. Adam, probably the biggest game of the season, I think, as far as you know. You know, look at this sort of the narrow prism of you now of, of the Raw and whatnot. But but yeah, look, I think three points would be golden for the Raw's chances. And look, I think that a loss for Sydney could be the end of them. 
It's also a massive test for the Royals as well with the quality in the Sydney FC side to go up against players like that. If if any players are looking to press their claims for a national team place, playing against a number of players in that side, it's a good way to do it. Absolutely. All right, I can't add anything more to that. That's going to be it for segment two of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this to talk about Youth League and the news right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back on the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here for the Daily Football Show Fan Network. And we're going to move on to segment three and lead off with the Youth League and the Raw did not play this weekend, so we haven't got a match to recap. But they do have a game at a pretty friendly time of 10.30 Saturday at Lion Stadium at Richland. So I'm actually quite looking forward to that as they play Perth Glory. I look forward to every trip down to Lions. Mm. Good day, guys. Careful now. You're going to be an official sponsor now, are you, or something? No, well, I'm a member there, so... It's true. Yeah, all I'm going to say is the barista had better be ready for me. They didn't they play, but coffee. things went quite well for them, but given the other results, they're still well in contention, which is encouraging, assuming they can beat Perth this time, because they lost 2-1 in round one to them. Well, hopefully things go a little bit better on home soil. So yeah, get out to the Raw youth game on Saturday. I believe it's the only Raw home game this weekend. So mm. the last make... two home games are at Lions. The other one's December 23rd, I think. So Yes. And so everyone come dressed as a bright orange Santa. <laughs> or know. not, either way. I don't, I don't know, Scott. You seem Just very jolly. Anyway. Well, I'm sure if uh, Jose Mourinho is no longer with Manchester United, he might be very jolly with that. <laughs> I just might do that, actually. And also... Alright, let's move on to some of the big news stories going on. And what I wanted to lead off with was uh, expansion. Because by the next time we talk, we're going to be very quick on this. Because mm-hmm. I feel like that's going to dominate the news segment next week. Because next time we talk, we're going to know who, uh, what the A-League expansion plans well, are. we might know. They have a board meeting on Monday in Sydney where expansion is supposed to be oh, a, that prime, is Monday. a prime topic of discussion. And it's a lot of people believe it's going to be announced soon after that who the two teams are so we may should probably know by next week but we'll know more anyway even if we don't know exactly who they are because Chris uh, Nicky did say that expansion was his uh, preference so we know there are six bids still in contention right now they had a bit of a forum on Football Nation Radio well some of them did anyway mm-hmm. and yeah I suppose the question is so two or four new teams first of all uh, it'll be two for me two to start with then two a couple of years further down the line Adam? I'd like to see four, but I think it's going to be two. I think it's going to be two straight away with an option. Well, there's but... not four markets left in it. It's Sydney, Melbourne, Canberra, and then there's no other fourth option but... market out there unless you're going to put two teams in from Sydney or Melbourne. So. But that's why I can't. That's honestly why I can't see them committing to four teams yeah. right away because I think what they're going to probably do is say, all right, we've got our two teams coming in for possibly 1920 yeah. or 2021. Let's get them up and running. I think they have to put two in by at some point this TV deal anyway, don't they? Yeah, technically. Mm. So, you know, we could. I'm hoping we're going to have two new teams coming in for next mm. season because we need quite a bit of fresh blood in the A League. And from there, they're probably going to reopen up bidding for another announcement in 12 months Hopefully. or even six. Hopefully, because I I do think that there is more than enough of an appetite for four teams. <laughs> the question is, which two teams are going to get into the A League? Let's say it's two teams for next year. What are the two teams going to be? We're going to start off with Adam. Look, I think Team 11 are a lock. I think um, the discussions of the Victorian government to fund their stadium, I think it's the last piece of the puzzle if the Andrews, newly elected Andrews government says yes. I think they're, they're over the line. The second team, I think it's going to be a very, very close run race between Canberra and Southwest Sydney, MacArthur, whatever the hell they're called. Jeff, Steve and Fred, yeah. United. I... I'm with Adam. I think Team 11, the, the fact that they're openly publicly negotiating or discussing negotiations about a stadium seems to me indicate that, that they've been pretty much given the nod, nod wink, wink, that that's going to happen. So they would be the team from Victoria. And I'm with you, Canberra. And but I think it'll be sudden expansion. Those two are fighting mm. for it. I, I don't think Sydney's a guarantee to get one of these two teams as much as we all think it is. I wouldn't be surprised if it is Canberra, if they can actually make Canberra work. I think it might be Canberra and um, sudden and Team 11. Well, I was hoping this would get a little bit more debate, but I think it's going to be Canberra and Team 11. So. I'm hoping could, it's going to be Canberra and Team t- 11 I can tell anyway. you who's going to be bottom of the poll. That's, yeah. that's South Melbourne. <laughs> you mean yeah. just like their NPL form last year? Yeah. <laughs> oh. 
ten complaints. Look, that's, 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 and that's with no disrespect to him. Well, a little bit. Speak for yourself. But, but yeah, now I just think that you know, at the moment, um, I just think they've got better, better bids out there. I think they've shown a lot more. And I think the Western Melbourne bid's also very good. It's just mm. that it seems the it Team seems, 11 bid's just slightly more advanced and is going to beat them yeah. to the punch. To me, it seems like Western Melbourne is relying on a bit more of yeah. a speculative thing. Although, let's be honest... Mm. All of these bids do seem to have quite an air of speculation around them and a little bit of hope of, all right, well, we need this to happen, this to happen, this to happen. <coughs> Geographically, both work, though, because Team 11's in Dandenong and the Western Melbourne is looking to play out in the Geelong region, so yeah. that actually both geographically work. Look, it's not going to bring both in at the same time. But that being said, that, yeah, mm. I do. what I do hope, though, is when we do eventually go to 14 teams in the A-League, which I hope is as early as the 2020-21 season... I'm hoping that when that does happen, that we wind up opening it up to some of the bids that didn't make it to the final six. And hopefully that gives life to some of the Queensland bids. I mean, Gold Coast, Western Pride, Brisbane City, Brisbane Strikers. Hopefully one of them is able to, to press their claim more strongly this time. Certainly. All right. Next question, though. When Let's keep working on this hypothetical that we're going to have two new teams coming in. Which What do you think is the preferred format? Because there have been a few ideas thrown around in terms of the scheduling of... Uh, 22 games, so everyone plays each other twice. 27 ga- It stays at 27 games with a weird... It'll be like a- derbies and stuff. Yeah. Playing three times. Or, my personal preference is 33 games. You stick with everyone plays each other three times, and we get more football. Yeah, look, I, um, I actually am of the opinion that, that basically it should be a two... A home and away, but as well, you break up obviously twelve teams into three into three divisions, and then you play that third game. So I've I've actually done a little okay, bit of research, believe it or not. So I'd have like say for example, all hypothetical Pool A. So you have Brisbane, Newcastle, Central Coast Mariners, and Perth. In Pool B, Sydney, Western Sydney. Um, I've got I actually had Southwest Sydney as a third team, okay. and Adelaide in Pool B, and Melbourne Victory, Melbourne City, Team Eleven, and Wellington in. In Pool C, so basically you'd have, so basically you'd have home and away, plus as well you have your interdivisional games, which basically takes up to twenty-five game, you know, regular season. Fair enough. Well, the twenty-two game idea can get in the bin as much as Fox would like it, because they seem to be the ones suggesting twenty-two rounds. That's absurd. And I believe James Kitching was, uh, who is involved with the law with the AFC in (laughs) some way, shape, or form, actually said that would put the A-League below the minimum requirements for the Asian Champions League as well. Well, then so that's definitely not going to happen. It shouldn't happen anyway, because yeah. the A-League used to be 21 rounds, and that was not anywhere near long enough. But for Fox, it obviously would fit better into the summer window for them. But that's that should not be the FFA's concern. So that's, scrap that idea. 27 to 33, I could live with it either way. I think when they get to 14 teams, it will just be a 28-round season anyway. So when you play each other home and away twice, that'll be the end of it. So I think... Either way, I'd be completely fine be with it. But 22 is just absurd. Yeah, tw- 26. Yeah. Can't play, you can't My play math fails, all right. We can tell. You get the point, though. <laughs> yeah, I'd actually say 33. And look, I'm just going to stick with the more football you can get, the better. Yeah. More home games at Suncorp. Well, that's starting to get more in line with the European length of season, so. Absolutely. And that's one criticism that we do seem to hear. One legitimate criticism we do seem to get is that there just isn't enough games right now. Yeah. And yeah, I'd say give us give us more yeah. football. All right, uh, don't give us less. Whatever you do, yeah. And quite honestly, look, you want to make midweek football, you know, something worth going to, especially in this summer period we've got coming up. That's where you fit in the extra. Play games. derbies on like Wednesday night over the holidays, Sydney derby, middle of early January type thing when everyone's on the holidays. Do it then. Yeah, and also what it w- could actually open up for certain teams like I would say Perth, Adelaide, Brisbane etc., where they might not necessarily have the, you know, a great lot of local competition. It could also open up for a few, I suppose, A-League roadshow games. Well, Perth don't travel, though, according to you. Well, they could go to Fremantle. (laughs) (laughs) But but, uh, that's what like, you know, find a stadium up there to play it. I have no idea what the geography is in Perth. Actually, that might be a really good idea, actually, for the Raw to play a game on the Gold Coast at that time of year. Because I know Victory do that, playing a game down in Geelong, because a lot of their members obviously go away at that time of year down in that part of the world, so maybe that's something the Raw can consider. And they could, when they uh, host Wellington, they could take it to the Sunshine Coast Stadium because, let's be honest, that's the level of interest Wellington Phoenix brings. Are you just saying that because you're planning to travel to the Sunshine Coast? Pretty much, yeah. I've got a bed to stay out there. (laughs) All right. Um, 
yeah, we'll just quickly touch on uh, free agency because that is actually underway, according to you, Scott. Well, it's not me. Goal started at first. They were the first ones to go with it, but contracts are up at the end of May, so minus six months, December 1st. So There we go. All right, uh, I just want to quickly touch on this. We might be able to go into it in a little yeah. bit more detail later this month, but out of the Raw's off-contract players, who's your first priority to try and re-sign? There's a lot of them. Um, For me, it comes down to two players. It's either Eric Bortiak or Alex Lopez. Adam? Uh, look, yeah, I'd probably uh, try and get yeah, both. I think uh, Bortiak, I think, is probably one you can build the um, build the, the club around. But just want to say quickly as well, I, I've been seeing, obviously, again, the whole, oh, what are Raw doing this? You know, 17 players or whatever. I can tell you that, you know, especially until... I can tell you until December 10... Not one player is going to resign, yeah. Because it is, mm-hmm. the whole free agency market is going to hinge upon not only who, but where and when expansion exactly. happens. So no look, this, all, all this, right all this drama, muckraking, and all that, and a certain, a certain sort of web, Facebook page about about this. Look, it's not, go. nothing's going to happen until yeah. at least we know where expansion is, where you know who and when they can start signing. Because no, so I wouldn't be surprised you could have 150 players, you know, on free agency. To answer your question, I think the priority should be the locally based players because of what Adam said. I mean, the visa players typically don't tend to move around clubs very often. They either just re-sign at the club they're at or go back overseas. So I'd be looking at some of the homegrown players that you'd want to re-sign. That'd be the first priority to me. So Wenzel Halls or Joe Coletti? Well, Dylan's playing, so. That would be the Daniel Bowles, another one is on that list as well. So, but there's lots of players you would look to tie up first, and this is something that obviously Pedrinovic is going to have to be working on right now because even though they may not want to sign until expansion is confirmed, but you can at least put a contract on the you table. You want to have for a them. contract there ready for them in case they decide they want to sign it. And the other point as well, just because. Sorry, as Scott coughs up a lung. Just because we're not seeing official announcements or even rumours speculated, that doesn't mean things aren't going on yeah. behind the scenes. Oh, not everything. Yeah. Not be like the NRL and announce signings and whatnot in you know, our third sort of season. That's the one Spe- thing I love about football. Speaking of, Adam, we've just traded you for Wayne Bennett. Cool. And Perfect. We'll- we also, well, Corey Brown was a long-held yeah. rumour last year as well, so that's a good example of things getting done early but not being announced. Exactly. All right, that's going to be it for segment three of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this to preview this Sunday's A-League game in Newcastle. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back for the final segment of the Brisbane Football Review here. It's James Scott and Adam, and we're going to get straight into our weekend preview for the A-League and talk about the Raw's trip to Newcastle Sunday afternoon. Now, Newcastle has traditionally been a pretty happy hunting ground for the Raw. We just hope that it's a little bit calmer than Friday night in Adelaide. Just a little bit. Also a bit drier than a couple of the other times when the Raw have been to Newcastle. More than once I've been there and it's been heavy rain and all sorts. I remember a game a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's right. There was a back pass that yeah. just stuck. Yeah. stopped in the puddle. James yeah. Donachie, don't won't forget that anytime soon. And if from memory, though, that was actually Adam Taggart uh, that capitalised on it as well. I I'm think fairly it was. Certain. Was it? Oh, wow. There you go. Because if I remember correctly, it was the 2013-14 season. Yeah, he, that was his golden boot year yeah. at Newcastle on the way to the World Cup. Yeah, yeah it would have been. That's right. And I remember thinking, well, if he keeps getting chances like that, he'd better win the golden <laughs> boot. Big question for this uh, Sunday, though. How's he going to... Is he going to play? Because his injury has since been reported as touch and go. Personally, I wouldn't risk him. If he's touch and go, I think that they'll probably play him. Just because of the fact that he's so important to the side. It's let's talk about segment one. It's built around him to score goals. If he has any chance of playing, I, I think they'll roll the dice on it. As much as maybe Graham Arnold might not want that to happen if he's in Socceroos frame. Well, but forget Graham Arnold for yeah, a second. From the, the Raw's perspective, if he is fit or close to, they're going to play him because of his importance to the side. That being said, though, is it really worth the gamble to put him out there if there's a chance that you know one bad misstep reaching for a ball could put him out for a couple of months? It's um, it's a close uh, one thing, and they've got to be really careful one way or another which decision. I, I think I know the Adam Tag, especially with the um, the news that obviously he's in the frame for Socceroos selection for Asia Cup, so he's he personally is probably going to want to play. Yeah. It's whether um, it's where the club has the strength to say if he's not if he's less than a hundred percent, where to just hold him back 
you know, at least for this week. I know it's a, it's a long turnaround, which yeah. if they were playing Friday or Saturday, I'd say he probably out. I think the fact it's Sunday afternoon, he may give them more of a chance of playing. But um, yeah, and keep in mind they've got a big test coming up straight up, well, not straight after that. But well, it's a short a, week on a short turnaround against Friday Melbourne night, Victory yeah. at home. So that's why I keep going back to I wouldn't risk him. Yeah. Personally, I, personally, I wouldn't play him. Yeah. But yeah. I'm not saying yeah. I'd play him either. But I think if he's yeah. close to fitness, they'll play him, right or wrong. Absolutely, Stefan Mork definitely out. We know yeah. through suspension and/or concussion. Take the pick. Yeah. Um, and Eric Bortiak, he did not look good coming off against Adelaide. So the question is, do you want to subjecting, subject him to another uh, week of kicking when there's potentially a bigger game to focus on? It's very similar to what happened the week before. Remember, he got kicked out of the game against Melbourne City and he was able to bounce back. Again, if he's close, I think they'll... Because of the fact that Raw are really needing points now, I think they could, they'll, if, he's fit and avail- if he's close to fit, they'll pick him and hope for the best because, again, he's such an important player. But to your point... Rest of playing a game on the Friday night five nights later, you maybe should look at prioritising that game. I but I would. Particularly I, in that position because you've got Enrique who you can slide into the left-hand side there quite comfortably in his natural position. So And also then you've got uh, Tobias Mickelson, who I did think actually probably had his best game as a raw player, especially once uh, Bortiak started to get a little bit limited. Yeah, look, unlike Taggart where I think his, his position and you know is pretty much vital, I think there's enough cover for for the raw to at least put Bortiak on the bench. I think I think you could probably you could probably go go as you said on Riquet or yeah. even even um roll the dice with Wenzel Halls yeah. um just to to make a start, you know, against Newcastle, who are not going as well as they'd like. Um so I yeah, I yeah. think you know what you could probably spare Bortiak, you know, starting him if he's if he's less than hundred percent fit. Yeah. But um but yeah, I think but Taggart I think is a different um kettle of fish. I'd say in this game, just play it safe. Like I know you need the win, but if you're going... And Melbourne victory is a much tougher task than Newcastle. No offence to Newcastle, but... Then maybe this is the game you go all out to win. Yeah, well, if, you, if, you, if that's the way you're thinking about it, maybe this is the game you think we have to win this game because we've got a tougher game coming up. Entirely possible. Although yeah. it's a home game, so... Maybe. All right, well... We know probably the midfield three then with Morkout is probably going to stay pretty solid from the starting ele- yep. starting group that we saw. Mm-hmm. So Mackay, Lopez, and Christensen. Mm-hmm. We think that's probably going to stay the same. Back four, would you keep the same? Yes. Yeah. I would make a change there. I think that Bowles and Papadopoulos look a stronger combination and the fullbacks uh, pick themselves. So. Fullbacks are the fullbacks. Then you've also got up front. Let's say that Adam Taggart and Eric Bortiak mm-hmm. aren't available for the starting 11. Who do you pick in their place, Adam? I still say go Enrique. Um, as your striker? As, yep, as, as your number nine. Um, I just feel but, like that's putting a square peg in a round hole. So I've seen that happen once, I've seen that too, once yeah. too often up front. Yeah, but look, I wouldn't I wouldn't say no to Wenzel Hall's up front either. So look, I, I, I'm trying to think of what, what job would, it, would do. I've got a solution for you. Uh, is, is it uh, Nicholas Agostino? Yes, yes. That was actually yeah. You, you stole my segue yeah, there, but that's exactly who I, who would probably play up front because I don't think he'd start Dylan. Nick's mm. started games from the start previously. I think that would be the safer option, quote unquote, and that's probably the way he would go. And honestly, if you can give you know D'Agostino, you know, forty-five to sixty minutes yep. from the start, and then bring on Wenzel Halls to just wreak a little bit of havoc at the end. Well, at least you're giving the young players a chance to shine. It's that, not the worst idea in the world to do it. That's what I'd do. do. I know that both of those young players do need goals, and John Aloisi is under pressure to get a win here, but that's the way it's got to be. Oh, look, uh, yeah, look, it's... Um, and Enrique go, onto the wing for... Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That's, that's true. Yeah, you have to cover Bortiak as well. So, yeah, look, um, I think yeah, D'Agostino comes into the frame on this one. At least, yeah. at least on the bench, if, if nothing else. Yeah, absolutely. I think otherwise, squads will be out tomorrow. We'll know a little bit more then, but yeah. I don't think Wenzel Halls wouldn't be the worst idea to start. I think he'd be able to hold his own. It's just, he's probably a better impact at this point in his career off the bench. It's like with Arzani at the World Cup. People clamoring for him to start, but he had much more impact off the bench. I think that's a very similar situation with Wenzel Halls at the Raw at the moment. You probably would limit him to 60 minutes anyway, I think. Like I said, you've still got to be mindful that he's still... 
even though he's yeah you know, been with the Raw now training professionally for a number of months, um, I still think he, as far as you know, game time goes, you'd limit him to probably sixty minutes. And he did mention yeah. sorry, he did mention on Friday night in the post game when he was talking to Fox about the intensity of it and how much quicker and he was still adapting to that. He, he's not a ninety minute player yet, but he might at max sixty minutes. Breaking news: the A League's a step up on playing Sunshine Coast. Exactly. <laughs> sorry, I had to get that shot in there. <laughs> All right, uh, so. Quick prediction for the game, Adam. I think Raw can win. Draw. I think it's two desperate sides. Both of them have had their troubles converting chances this season, and I think that's going to be a story here. 1-1 draw for me. All right. Scott, Adam, thank you for getting through what was a pretty entertaining show to record, I would say. (laughs) Yes, now don't wave at me again. (laughs) Then don't point your finger at me. (laughs) And Adam, please stop kicking the door. I'll try and refrain. All right, and... We haven't got a fourth person for me to say, get back in your room, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) All right, yes. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Get out to the Youth League game Saturday morning and find a good spot to watch uh, the men and women's team Sunday afternoon. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week to talk about what we hope will be a slightly less eventful weekend of Brisbane Raw football. Otherwise, have a good weekend.